everybody. Welcome to episode five of uh, And Then an Aeroplane, our Studio Ghibli Rewatch podcast. I am your host, as always, Autumn June, and my co-host is M. Hi. We're here to talk about anime. I love anime. I love the cute anime that's not heartbreaking at all. <laughs> no, it's just it's just a nice time. Who could ever have problems watching some nice friends uh, plant a garden oh. and clean their house? It's fine. This movie didn't mess up my entire day. <laughs> um, this week we're watching um, My Neighbor Totoro. I'm on the Terry Gilliam Wikipedia page because of a conversation we were having before the podcast. <laughs> um... My Neighbor Totoro is directed by Hayao Miyazaki. It was released in 1988. Um, the the B-movie of your night of trauma watching <laughs> Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, music's by Joe Hisaishi. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the... Like, it is supposed to be the nice, chill movie that you watch after Grave of the Fireflies. Do you want to yeah, give us a um, summary? Sure. Uh, it is 1958 in Japan, and a man named Tatsuo and his two daughters are going into the countryside to clean out this house that they're going to live in, because uh, their mother, uh, who's recovering from a long-term illness that I'm pretty sure is meant to be tuberculosis, but they are not specific about mm. it, um, is going to come when she's out of the hospital and recuperate in the countryside. And so they come to clean this out, and uh, the older sister, uh, Satsuki, is mostly being the like parent of may the young daughter because the dad's off in the city working every day and comes home late and the girls are waiting for him and they find uh some mystical like picture book creatures living in the countryside including some soot spirits and uh deeper in the woods the like forest guardian giant bear creature totoro and little Totoro and even littler Totoro. <laughs> um, and uh, they just kind of interact with each other. It's kind of very soft. Um, and then whatever drama drives this movie is uh, there is some miscommunication about uh, their mom is has to stay in the hospital for a little longer. And the girls freak out because their dad is in the city. And uh, Satsuki gets separated from May, and May goes missing. And she has to find her. And it, then to she uses Totoro to help her find her. And it, they go and visit their mother. And it turns out their mother's fine. She just has a cold. And she'll be out of the hospital in another week. And it's very soft and nice. And it, it will mess you up if you are a certain kind of person. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that. And then her mom comes home. And everyone lives happily ever after. The cue a song and we see all the girls playing with girls around the village and we're out yeah <laughs> it is it's just like an 87 minute movie and um for me 67 minutes of it were very nice and pleasant and then it sneaks up on you a little bit yeah um <laughs> yeah do we we didn't do this with Grave of the Fireflies, so I've forgotten the structure. Do we do voice actor stuff now, or do we... <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about voice acting. Yeah. So this movie has... This is one of the ones with two dubs. Um, so the original movie came out in 88, and then they commissioned a English dub almost immediately to be on flights to the U.S. that were coming out 
Um, and that dub has uh, was then re- released on like DVD and VHS is like in 93 is like the Fox dub is what people refer to it as, even though Fox didn't make it. Mm. That one's really hard to find even like clips of online. So I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Uh, looking through the cast, the notable, uh, actress, uh, May's voice actor in that is Cheryl Chase, who voiced Angelica on the Rugrats. Huh. Um, but Disney put out their dub in 2005. It superseded everything. There's a lot of fandom complaints for people who watch this movie growing up that the Disney version is much worse. I don't have the context to tell you that. Um, but we'll run down the actors here. Just the people that I thought were particularly interesting. So we start off with Satsuki. Uh, in Japanese, she's voiced by Noriko Hidaka. Uh, she plays Akane and Ranma One Half, uh, one of the main characters of that show. Uh, she voices Nier in Death Note, a character that I particularly like, but I know is uh, not popular in the fandom. Um, in English, she is voiced by Dakota Fanning, who is a child at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really good uh, production videos of the Fanning sisters just being adorable. Um, she is notable for War of the Worlds, Twilight. Uh, recently, she was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Still acting. Yeah. I didn't realize she was in Once uh, Upon a Time. Huh. Yeah. Uh, she plays uh, one of uh, the Manson family. Mm. Uh, May is her younger sister in Japanese. She's voiced by Chika Sakamoto, uh, who voices uh, Shinta in Zeta and Double Zeta Gundam. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, voices Sailor Star Healer in the final season of Sailor Moon and voices Agumon in Digimon. <laughs> okay. Weird. Uh, Weird. Uh, English voice is Elle Fanning, uh, mostly notable for like Super 8 was her big movie. She's in Maleficent. There's a new Maleficent coming weird the dead tatsuo this is maybe the craziest one in japanese uh he is voiced by shigisato itoi okay Uh, if you don't know who that is he is an essayist and like cultural critic and i think he writes music and he's done a little bit of acting he is notable for being the writer designer and director of mother and earthbound okay (laughs) weird (laughs) um what Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He is like a just a known personality in Japan. Um big deal. Uh in in English, he is voiced by Tim Daly, uh, who won an Emmy for JT Dolan on The Sopranos, but is mostly known to me as the voice of Superman from Superman the Animated Series. Oh, okay, yeah. I was like, I know this name yeah. from somewhere. That's probably it. Yep. Uh, the mom is voiced by Yasuko Kusakabe, or that's the mom's name, sorry. Uh, she's voiced by Su- uh, Sumi Shimamoto. We know her from voicing Clarice in Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro, and Nausicaa from Nausicaa the Valley of the Wind. Mm. Um, she is voiced in English by uh, Leia Salonga, who is a Broadway performer, still performs on Broadway. She's known as the voices, the singing voices of Jasmine and Mulan in the Disney movies you know, Aladdin and Mulan. Okay. Um, I only have two other ones. Totoro himself has a voice actor. Uh, Hitoshi Tagaki voices him in Japanese. He's the voice of Moomin Papa from Moomin. Uh, the English voice, it's weird that they redubbed him, but I guess he does like say some things, but he's voiced by Frank Welker, who is, if you've seen anything from the seventies <laughs> through the nineties, you've heard Frank Welker, if it's a cartoon, but, uh, mostly known as Fred and Scooby from Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. And then the cat bus in Japanese, uh, in English, also voiced by Frank Welker. In Japanese, a voice by Naoki Tatsuya, who is uh, Job John and Gundam, 
Uh, maybe you've heard of him. <laughs> uh, has recurring roles in G Gundam and Seed, which I didn't look too much into because I have a Gundam podcast. It's not going to get to those yet. And most famously is Oolong the Pig in Dragon Ball through to today. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So those are those are our cast. Uh, little production notes. Um, Miyazaki originally had this conceived as a picture book that he was going to illustrate. Um, and then made it into a film. Uh, this movie was like one that they weren't expecting to do very po- well. It didn't do very well, partially because it was part of Grave of the Fireflies. Then they aired it on television, and the uh, station had like, if you write in, we'll send you a free Totoro plush, and it oh, okay. blew up. <laughs> um, and it launched literally as the thing that made Studio Ghibli successful because it's been their merchandising product forever. It is the thing that's on the logo of studio ghibli it is totoro is the mickey mouse of anime (laughs) uh in terms of like branding and ubiquity Mm -hmm. um but on that uh like ray of the fireflies it was kind of unusual to have a like a, a movie that is about the japanese countryside uh anime was all about cool shit and the future um and then uh, th- this is also the debut of art director Kazuo Oga, who did the backgrounds and signed on to basically be the background artist for Studio Ghibli. We'll be seeing his work forever. Okay, um, because I remember um, it, the background paintings have always been good in these movies, but I at the start at the start of this movie particularly, there are some really gorgeous ones, and I was like, yes, it makes sense now that they like got someone new in specifically to do those because they're really good in this movie. Yep. Yeah. Um, Notably, if you look at the uh, blog post for this, you'll see the poster of this movie. There's only one girl depicted. Um, Originally, there was only going to be a single child and uh, Miyazaki wanted her to be younger and then thought if you go too young, she wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things the plot asked and thus created the older sister. Hmm. Um, But it's weird that even the poster just has one girl on it. Yeah. When you get to, um, cause the poster is a recreation of like an iconic shot in the movie. And I was thinking in that, um, in that shot, I was like, wait, I thought there was only one girl on in this and maybe I'm just misremembering. And, Oh, I was just right. Okay. Weird. <laughs> yep. Um, it's weird how the one girl in the poster looks, looks like Satsuki, but younger. Um, yes. That's just, huh. Um, so yeah, this is like, there are a handful of Ghibli movies like this. I think this movie is incredibly slight and bare bones. Um, and like, we, I think we've had that a little bit, uh, in Grave of the Fireflies, but like this movie, um, it's really hard to like talk about things happening in it because it feels like there is not a lot of drama, even though... Like, it's a good movie. It's just very plot and drama-free for most of it. And it makes yeah. it weird to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, this has far less going on than Grave of the Fireflies. But, you like, mm-hmm. it makes sense that these two are released together because, like, outside of, like, the war stuff, like, these are movies about children, like, being on their own in the Japanese countryside, right? Right, right. There's, like, a through line that I was kind of surprised by, uh having not seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for the most of it, it is literally just the girls running around, uh, being adorable, dealing with the situation. Like even the bits of drama are, which are literally 10 minutes from the end are in like the context of like 
an adult's understanding, not like an actual big deal, but mm-hmm. uh, because of that, I feel like it is the bomb going off in your heart. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and like, I don't know, I don't want to dive too deep into this, but like, I was watching this movie um, and I didn't really know uh, about the mom's story in this movie. And my own mom went through cancer when I was at a very young age. And so it was like, oh, okay, this is, this movie felt extremely real to that experience um but like yeah it's it's still very it's still very sweet um i was thinking a little bit about um there's a book turned into a movie i kind of like called a monster calls that is like a very grim and serious book about like a 12 year old boy whose mother is living with cancer and it's like kind of beating you over the head with how sad and grim it is. Um, I mean, this is the thing we talked about with Grave of the Fireflies. I think Totoro, like, snuck up on me, and, like, I ended up crying for, like, a really long time after this movie just because of, like, um, I think it is so pleasant and warm, and, like, it is not... It is not a sad movie in any way, um, but just, like, a small tragedy... uh, like hits these kids and that makes it like so much more affecting than um, something else that is like trying very hard to be about these sorts of ideas um, and like trying to just get tears out of the viewer, you know? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's like, I mean, as someone who's lost a parent, there's this real sense when you watch something like this, like, everyone tells the girls it's going to be okay that their mom's fine they don't need to worry about it and the girls don't believe it because it's hard for a child to believe the world's going to be okay sometimes Mm -hmm. the thing is that it turning out to be okay is not like a guarantee and you know like you know it's not a guarantee but the format of these sorts of stories for kids in like it has to be right like they're not going to show up and their mom's dead but in reality that's as likely as anything else and eventually they will go through that eventually all children go through this um and that's the thing that's like sad it's not like if it if if they had shown up and their mom was actually really sick and her mom had died, that would have been treacly and awful and not affecting the fact that she's fine. And it was like all these emotions existed for nothing highlights the emotions and not the event. And the emotions are the thing that's really hard about these sorts of situations. Yes. And, um, like, and I think, I think it like lets you believe for a moment that like, Oh, maybe she's not going to be okay. Um, because, like, that is, like, a very real thing that happens, but, like, um, I th- I never genuinely believed, oh, she's definitely gonna die in the next scene or something, but it, like, it just gives you just a little bit of uncertainty so that when she's, when she's fine for right now, like, um, it's, like, really genuinely feels relieving, and it's, like, very cathartic, and, like, you can kind of feel that along with the kids. Mm. I'm also, uh was thinking about A Monster Calls because, like, and I'm try- going to try not to talk a ton about a book you haven't read, <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's a, that is a movie where um, Liam Neeson shows up as a tree monster and, um, like, delivers parables about being sick. I think uh, Totoro is so effective here because Totoro is, like, not a monster that is, like, about being sick. It's just, like... Totoro is Totoro. He's a very sweet little... He's a very sweet bear thing. He's got cat well, bus. It, 
Yeah, if anything, Totoro is like a parable for like the res- the restorative cycles of nature, right? Right, like, right. They go they go to the countryside, which is a place that is in the woods where there's farming. Things grow, things die. That's the nature of it. They find this old house that they bring back to life by filling it with their presence, right? Like they they push away like the natural world in the house of like the soot sprites and stuff by going in and cleaning it out. Um, and then Totoro represents like the, you know, Totoro makes trees grow by doing a dance and it might be a dream, but then when you wake up, the, the seeds have sprouted in the morning, Mm -hmm. like the reality of like Totoro being not quite like inherently like healing, but part of like a natural cycle of like life and death, I think is important to the movie. Like the sense of neutrality to it, I think is important. Yeah. Um, you, you know, in, in um, Castle in the Sky, there's the bit at the end where they talk about, like, people have to live side by side with nature, and it feels like like it's blindsiding you, uh, because that's mm. not a big part of the movie. In this movie, it is, like, the very lived reality of, like, what it is like to live side by side with the Earth. Um, but the movie, I don't think, is, like, you know, it never, no one ever delivers a monologue about that. Um yeah. It just lives and breathes that sort of thing. Also, Totoro himself is like he is a monster, right? Like he mm. has he has a huge mouth with giant teeth that could swallow May whole. He has like giant claws uh that he like he's not he's not inherently threatening, but there is a like a vague sense of danger you would find around like being in the woods or just, you know, out in nature mm-hmm. to Totoro because he is not necessarily for children or against them. He just exists on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good bit where um, May is sitting on Totoro. And I know in the back of my mind that May is obviously not going to fall into this big monster's mouth, but you like think about mm-hmm. it for a second. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> his yawn is so big. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I love Totoro so much. Uh, and I really like how May is utterly unafraid of him, but Satsuki definitely has pause about this giant, like, monster bear in front of her every time he shows up. Right. Well, she's the one who has to be, like, May's protector a little bit, um, you know? And so, like, yeah. May is young enough that she doesn't have to think about these things, but Satsuki, um, like, has to be the mature one who is thinking about, like, okay, I'm not... Not going to let May fall into the monster's mouth. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, also, if you have the Blu-ray, there's a bunch of special features. Um, more than most of these have had, uh, mm-hmm. which was nice because I, I like having these movies, but I wish they had more stuff in them. But uh, this one has uh, like a bunch of s- things about like designing these characters. And the other Totoros are meant to just be like a younger and a baby Totoro. Like they're not like different creatures because mm. uh, they want to just design this, this thing exists on its own, like spectrum of time. Like it, there are baby ones that will grow up to be big ones. And um, like, I feel like that ties deeply into the general, like natural world ambivalence to a lot of the movie. So is Totoro a red Jack? Is Red Jack a Totoro? I should ask. <laughs> no, I I don't know if this is gonna play to uh, the audience. Um, I'm okay with that. I don't think I don't think the implication is that the little Totoros then have to defeat the big Totoro. That would be that would be incredibly tragic. Where's that movie? 
<laughs> there is weirdly a like a semi sequel to this movie that only it's like a short that only exists at the Studio Ghibli like museum thing in Japan. They've never put it out anywhere else, so you have to go there to see it. I feel like um if this were an American movie, there would be like eight hundred shorts about uh Totoro. Um yes. like Pixar would have made so many uh Totoro shorts. <laughs> I mean, Totoro's in Toy Story 3 and some of the shorts coming out of 3. Are he? Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a Totoro doll in, the like, once they got to 3. Weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. I think it's just, like, a background thing, but there is a Totoro doll wandering around in Toy Story. Huh. Okay. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Um... Because, like, maybe the thing that we don't need to impress on anyone listening to the Studio Ghibli podcast, Totoro's, like, the biggest thing on Earth, basically. Like, it's up there with Spider-Man and Mickey Mouse and, you know, like, the influence, even in the West for, like, an anime thing is so much higher than anything else. I did did have a moment um, watching this movie where I turned to Nora and was like, what if I just became one of those people who has, like, a ton of Totoro merchandise? Because I'm really feeling it right now. (laughs) And you can... Yeah, that's fair. You know, you could very easily just, like, have Totoro decorate an entire room of your home. Perhaps your entire home. Um, you could. <laughs> I don't know why you would, but it's tempting. I'm trying to think, do I have any, do I have any Ghibli? I have, I have two pieces of Ghibli merchandise. They're both from Porco Rosso, though. Oh, weird. It doesn't feel like Porco Rosso would be a very merchandisable movie. They are both uh, fan art that is, like, was just, like, prints people made. They oh, are not yeah. official. Hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. But, um, yeah, no, uh, at my local Barnes and Noble, there's a ton of Ghibli merch and a lot of it is Totoro and Kiki themed. So, yeah, I feel like Totoro and to a lesser extent, Kiki, I don't think any of their other movies ever get this. Spirited Away has some. Those are the, that's like the only other one. Yeah. I feel like that's more because of how Spirited Away had this like immense crossover here than like any specific character being merchandisable. Um, Yeah, for sure. I almost bought a denim kiki jacket recently but that is totally off track <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about that next time uh, <laughs> maybe i'll buy it for the next episode <laughs> so you watched the dub right i did watch the dub though i did um for the song at the beginning and the end i switched it over to the japanese voice track because they um i'm 99 sure i was watching the disney dub um there were two dubs on this file i had um and I'm 99% sure I was watching the Disney dub. Uh, mm. So I clicked over to the Japanese just because I wanted to hear the songs in Japanese. Because the English translations seemed weird and unnecessary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I watched it in English. And I thought like, I thought the cast was really good. Um, I don't think... Um, the cast I mean, did the, did, the, did the girls sound like actual children? If so, you girls, got the English. Yeah, exactly. The like... The girls sounded like actual children, I think, because Dakota and Elle Fanning were actual children when making yes. this. Um, yeah. As opposed to, like, the uh, younger sister in um, Grave they of the Fireflies. They were 11 and 7. Right. The younger sister in Grave of the Fireflies is just, like, I believe an adult pl- doing a very convincing job. Um, mm-hmm. This movie is just like, oh, we just got children, and so it's <laughs> they sound like children. My th- my thing with the dub is, like, I think they bring a really good energy to that. I don't think they're, like, great at doing voice acting, but the fact that they are real sisters and real children carries a lot of, like, its own special energy that you can't replicate. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think Tim Daly as the dad is one of the worst casting decisions ever. I think he's terrible. <laughs> I he's very incongruous. Um, I never. I guess I never cared because it felt like um, his his weird mismatch with the tone of the movie was just like, oh, he's just a classic dad, and it was like he's just going to be like a dad guy. Um. <laughs> it's weird because like in the Japanese like. To me, a lot of that is like the dad is distant, not because he's a like the classical like Japanese culture, like distant working all the time. Dad, it's like the situation is very unique and difficult mm -hmm. for him. Um, like there's there's a really good scene where he's like just buried in paperwork at the table and May comes up and like puts flowers that she picked on his on his desk and is like, well, you're going to play the flower shop. Uh and his reaction is like he looks at it and he's like annoyed briefly and then realizes what's happening and is like sad that he was like his in gut was annoyed because he's buried in this work he doesn't want to do. Like there's a real humanity to him that I think is like really particular to this kind of dad that could easily just be like, you know, dad's gone working all the time isn't in the picture. Like he is in the picture even though he's working all the time. Yeah, he's doing his best. It's just that like he was put into a circumstance that he could never have been prepared for mm -hmm. um i thought um that moment um is like really good and it is the sort of thing that um like grave of the fireflies was just like 90 minutes of that sort of moment and i thought um this movie could have used a little more of that because even though it is so incredibly slight i feel like um it's generally moving forward, and that is, like, a moment of, like, um, standing still that I really liked in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, moving I like forward, that maybe, the... is the word for it, but you go. No, but, I mean, th there's a lot of scenes where, like, everything stops just for, like, sitting in the moment. And that's one. Them standing at the bus stop and Totoro coming up in the rain is, like, the famous one. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the things that I like about Ghibli movies... Um, like usually some of the like most affecting moments for me are these quiet pieces and uh because this movie is like so like the runtime is very short uh and you know it's about energetic children like there's a lot of the girls just like running through the house like screaming in like this very like we're just kids with a lot of energy in the countryside mm -hmm. way um there isn't a lot of quiet moments like in the way that you would think for a movie where like the summary literally nothing happens <laughs> until the very end um during all those moments of them running around i was always thinking about like in real life here's the moment where like may trips over satsuki and then they end up getting in a big argument and it's very nice that that never happens in the movie but it was all i was thinking about um i was also uh the the big moment that's on the poster um that scene, like, they give it so much time to breathe. I think it's, like, I think it is probably so iconic just because of, like, um, like, it is, it is a surprisingly long scene, and, um, I'm glad it is that way, uh, and I think it, like, really helps the feeling of, like, them waiting at the bus stop for a really long time. Um, mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I was taken aback by, like, how... How much of that scene literally is just them standing there doing doing the lo-fi beats uh, pose? Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We're not at the main the main lo-fi beats girl is the one from Pocoroso, right? 
I think so. Um, there was a couple. Yeah. There was a couple bits of Satsuki like doing her homework that I'm sure was looped. Um, there's like something where the dad was do was doing like the actual lo-fi beats, but I I'm sure I've listened to a lo-fi beats channel that had just like Totoro and okay. the girl standing there. Yeah, because it's either it's like generic anime girl, but I I feel like the one that I think of the most is the the you it's know Theo uh, from Pokro Rosso. Yes, I'm probably uh, the only working at the blueprint plants. <laughs> uh, I should. I, one of the one of the things I have is a poster of her working on plans. It's very good. Um, but uh, like speaking of the quiet moments, like one of the saddest quiet moments, and it's because all of this is set up with the girls like being so full of energy is when they hear that their mom's not coming home. There's a shot of the two of them both like lying in different rooms in the house, just oh like my gosh, it's so good. both in like a big depression funk where they just look they just look dead, like they're just on the floor, they're not doing anything, just on their sides both. Mm -hmm. And um. Like Satsuki is in an empty room, um, and like mm -hmm. May is like has a bunch of like her little drawings around her as she's laying there feeling sad. It's like a, it's like such a good little moment of just like making them each distinct and good. Um, yeah, I, I do want to point out it's it's not really super. I don't have a ton to say about it, but uh, Kanta the boy in this movie I forgot he was. Uh, is funny only in that he is like such a cartoon of this style of boy that will like show up and be bigger characters in future movies and kind of was in like he's basically the same as uh what's the guy in uh, not, uh Laputa mm -hmm. like he's just this version of this character just like five years younger uh -huh. and so all he knows how to do is like be gruff around <laughs> girls in this cartoonish way um like has clearly uh, like been told how to be a uh, like been told to like man up or something like has this idea in his head about like what it is to be a boy and what it is to be a man or something. And it's like, yes, <laughs> it's very cute. It's very sweet. Totally forgot his uh, presence in the movie. <laughs> yeah. There's the, the main, the one that I like the most is where uh, the, the girls are underneath like a shrine as they're being rained out. And he comes up with an umbrella that he gives them and he can't even like talk to them. He just like, pushes the umbrella at them and runs away. I love when um, we cut to him back at home and he can't even um, admit to his mom that he gave these girls the umbrella. So he lies. It says like he forgot it or he, he left it at school or something. And like, yes. it's very sweet. He could have just told, he could have just told his mom and his mom probably would have like been proud of him, but no, no, uh, worth mentioning only cause like, this archetype is going to be in movies going forward. Like Ponyo is a story uh, halfway about a boy like this, um, which I'm very excited to get to because that's a fantastic movie. Also, I'm ex that's one of the ones I'm really excited for because I have not seen it. Um, Kiki's Delivery Service is next, right? Yeah, hell yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's take a short break and we'll be back with questions. <laughs>
If you want to send in questions or comments about the movies that we're covering, you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. We have a couple emails. Uh, the first one is from Aiden, uh, who grew up with the Fox dub of Totor on VHS, which uh, he watched countless times. Um, and uh, has a lot of nostalgia for this dub in particular. Um, suggest that we check it out. I would love to. I You can find the song, like the version of the song that they have. Um, but... I guess, like I guess I could just like torrent it. I'm sure that file, like you said, that file's on the torrent. That that file has two different dubs. I actually didn't even check which one I had. I'm pretty sure I did the Disney one, but I didn't even check. So um, okay, I should do that before the next episode. <laughs> um, and then we have a question for from Grace, uh, who does seasons on our network and also has an episode about Totoro. If you would like to listen to that, you can go to normalmapping.com, check out seasons. Um, when I watched Totoro, I was really reminded of me and my sister's relationship, wondering if there's been anything in the movie so far that resonated with you on that level, especially regarding family or friend dynamics. Um, I mean, I, I'm an only child, so the sibling stuff in the last two movies has not, um, been that for me, but yeah, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, like the relating this back to my own mom's sickness was like an immense thing. It is like, um... It is, like, a thing that I am usually very guarded uh, about, and so, like, don't engage with a lot of, like, art that, like, touches on these sorts of things. Um, and so I was really mm-hmm. glad, actually, that I didn't know this was an element of Totoro, just so I could, like, go in and be surprised by it um, and, like, kind of deal with some of those feelings that were, like, very real, but, like, um, in just a very sweet movie that is um, everything's okay in the end. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, this one definitely uh, struck me in terms of the, the idea of losing a parent, whether it happens or not. Like, the girls go through the idea of it mm-hmm. in a very real way. Yeah, um, I, I did not lose my mom, um, but, like, they were, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a bunch of questions from Tron. Uh, thanks, Tron, for writing in. Um, what do you think about the soundtrack of this movie? Um... There was a couple moments that was, uh, I'm struggling to think of any particular moment, but there was like a couple times where I was like, oh, I hope we use this in the podcast. <laughs> You're usually the person who organizes which, uh, songs we use, but there was a couple moments like, oh, this would be amazing in the podcast. <laughs> I think okay. it's really good. Uh, the like marching band quality of a lot of it is, uh, very sweet and good. <laughs> Yeah, I particularly, I, I'm, I absolutely will end up using the song where they're at the bus stop, like the like rain song, I guess I would call it, because mm-hmm. it has a very like water drops quality. It's very good. There's in the uh, the features on this. There's a bit where they were talking to Josaichi, and he's like, uh, Miyazaki doesn't actually know that much about music. He trusts me to know about the music. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. Oh, you just reminded me of that. Um thing that was going around on twitter the other day for of yoko taro apparently just sends his composer like random youtube clips and says make a song like this i i'm glad miyazaki is not so torturous to work with as that (laughs) (laughs) um what was your favorite vehicle design in the movie um no airplanes in this one no airplanes in this one i'm actually struggling to think of i mean like there's like there's like the truck and the cat bus (laughs) 
Yeah, there aren't that there aren't half as many vehicles. Um, I guess Catbus is my favorite vehicle in this movie. <laughs> Uh, I really like the bit in the opening where they're in the bed of the truck and they, they see who they think is a cop and they hide and then they're like, oh, it's a mailman and then wave <laughs> to the mailman. That truck is like comically overfilled in the perfect way um, to where it doesn't look like it doesn't look too much like it's not like over the top, but it's like still pretty full in like a weird, funny way. <laughs> I have uh, a lot of childhood nostalgia around the idea of like trying to coax uh, a, your parent or your friend's parents to have a truck to let you ride in the bed uh -huh. uh, if you're like just driving to the store back or whatever. Um, so big mood. Um, uh, what was your favorite looking scene in this movie? Ooh, favorite looking scene. Um, I think the I think the tree sprouting up um, as the as the girls do the dance and Totoro plays uh, is I think Totoro is playing the ocarina as like the tree is sprouting up like that is like mm. the best bit of the movie for me I've like all the joy that they felt in that scene like um, kind of came to me and I was like cheering for this tree sprouting out of the ground. Okay, uh, I think it's for me after after Totoro leaves on the cat bus, and it's just like a weird, like in in the context of that moment, it's like a weird non sequitur. This cat that is a bus comes up, Totoro gets on, leaves. Uh, then the real bus comes, and the real bus is like just as alien feeling as the cat bus mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah, and I really like that. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, who is your favorite adult character in this movie? Um, I'm a big fan of, um, I'm a big fan of Granny, actually. I was going to say the mom at first, um, and how she's trying, uh, but it's just really hard because of where she is. But actually, I'm mm -hmm. a, I love Granny, just like this woman who comes into their lives and says, I'm your grandma now. I love that. It's good. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, she's great. I I like that. Like, she's trying to help. I like the that she knows that, like when things get serious to kind of give the kids space, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, always good. Uh, then the final question: uh, What's the biggest tree you've ever seen? I don't think I've ever seen an abnormally large tree. I'm sure I have, but not one that's like made such an impression on me as this. Um, like living in Missouri, there are definitely lots of like woods and stuff so you see big yeah. trees but not like oh my god that's a big tree you know yeah we don't live in like extremely different parts of the world no. uh so <laughs> uh, there's a like there's a lot of good wooded areas around here but they're not they're not like you know it's not like a redwood forest or anything right yeah missouri and kansas which we just don't have trees in kansas so <laughs> okay nebraska's got lots of trees at least the part i'm in if you go west there's n or yeah the west there's nothing but yeah missouri does and it's like it's always funny to me how you'll drive over the Kansas border and suddenly there are just no trees. <laughs> yep. uh, we have an email from Liv. Uh, question is, is Snorlax a Totoro? No. Um, Snorlax is a Pokemon. Next question. <laughs> so I was uh, watching this and I was like, oh, this thing's just a Snorlax. It's I just sleepy. Moment, and you, yeah. you <laughs> Uh, and so I Googled it and then the Google card, like the little information thing was some website that was like, absolutely not. Totoro is a Tanuki and parentheses raccoon, which Sorry, was what? just the, just the most one, a raccoon is not a Tanuki. Ow! 
<laughs> we're going to be watching uh i think it's palm poco palm soon poco, and then yeah. we'll have to talk about tanuki mm-hmm. and they're not raccoons no uh two totoro clearly not a tanuki <laughs> no i don't know where you get that from <laughs> okay weird um. Yeah, so that was wrong. I would contend that Snorlax is closer to a Totoro than anything else. Um, Because, like, I think Snorlax is supposed to be, like, a bear Pokemon. There's a lot of actual bear Pokemon. Snorlax doesn't look a thing like a bear. Yeah, um, isn't it Ursine that's just actually a bear? Just, like, a bear? Yeah. (laughs) There's, like, Ursula, there's Pangoro, uh, there's Beware. I love Beware. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, when's the Pokemon? And then we have one last email from Nora. Uh, sending this in uh, after we started recording. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Nora wrote in about having seen this movie as a teen and really like bouncing off it, thinking it was kind of boring. Uh, revisiting it, uh, she found it really beautiful uh, and really loved the kids. Um, and was surprised at how much the perception of that had changed in the time in between. Um, just a nice, like, oh, this movie's good. And it is. It's good. Uh, Nora's questions. Which non-Totoro critter is your favorite? Um, I think I'm a big fan of medium Totoro. Um, okay. Like, the the smallest Totoro I, I like because of the way it, like, disappears, but then doesn't disappear. But I think medium yeah. Totoro has the best design for me. Okay, I think I'm. I think I'm team soot sprites. Ooh, the soot sprites are good. I I do well, see those soot sprites and just think of um, the little coal things from uh, Spirited Away. Spirited Away, yeah, they're literally the same yeah. thing. So we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to the soot sprite extravaganza soon. Don't worry. <sighs> um, and then uh, the other question: Would you rather nap on Totoro or ride the cat bus? Ride the cat bus. I am pretty seriously allergic to cats, so I think I'm going to have to ride on or nap on Totoro unless, uh, for some reason, the cat bus is actually hypoallergenic. That would be... Well, so I think the thing with cat allergies is that people get allergic to their saliva and then they lick themselves. So as long as cat bus is not licking the seats, you should be okay, right? I guess? I mean, if I go into a house with a cat, I'm, I'm going to react. Okay, so. yeah, no. Okay. So if I'm sitting inside of a cat, I think that would probably be the worst place to be. Probably. Is it? It's fur inside of there, right? Like, cat yeah. bus is still furry? Okay. Yeah. You know, they're not, like, sitting in his guts or anything. You have to <laughs> You have to find that. A couple years ago, you remember that, like, disturbing Totoro picture where it's, like, the scene at the bus stop, but Totoro's, like, dead and gross? Oh, you've definitely, you've rung a bell in my memory, and I'm definitely about to Google it and regret that. Yeah, it's not. It's it's dumb. Don't try to don't try to bring edginess to Studio Ghibli movies. I just please. Google gross Totoro and have discovered a weird snail looking thing. Um, can't find this. Oh right, because the other yeah, they named an actual animal after Totoro. And of course, the second result is like um, Ang and Appa doing the pose from the movie, and then like Finn and Jake doing the pose from the movie. I'm gonna this. I'm gonna get away from this tab. This cool. is not. <laughs> How many how many hot topic shirts can they sell that are just renditions of uh, Totoro and Satsuki and May? Anything that has at least two characters and one of them is bigger than the other, you can do this with. You can. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I uh, think- I'm gonna do one. I'm gonna do one that's Han and Chewie, but they're Calvin and Hobbes, but they're standing at the top. <laughs> But they're standing there, but also they're sledding, uh, like, in the last uh, Calvin and Hobbes strip. Yes. And then over the top it says Adventure Time. Uh, so I think that's it. Uh, next time we'll be watching Kiki's delivery service. We have a bit of an announcement though, about ne- when next time is going to be. Instead of every two weeks, we are, uh, going to stretch it out to every three weeks just because both of us are a little busy. And if we can just like one extra week, just a little more downtime between episodes. Cause it has sometimes felt like we were making this podcast every week, even though we're not, Yeah, you know? Yeah, it's, it's been weird how much these just fall on top of each other, and I always end up feeling like I don't have time to, like, look stuff up and, right. you know, be prepared, so... Right, so we're just going to stretch it out a little bit. I'm excited. Um, I think it'll yeah, be a good I think, I think the I think we'll be happier, and thus the podcast will be better, hopefully, but if not, we'll still be happier. Yes! <laughs> so... <laughs> um. um. So th- th- we'll be doing uh, Kiki in uh, three weeks. I'm very excited. One of my favorites. Yes, uh, me too. The only good capitalism is being a witch girl who everything goes right for. <laughs> Love the gig economy. <laughs> yeah. Love the- what if the gig economy was magical itself and just worked? <laughs> and in 1989, for some reason, <laughs> before the gig you economy. Know? God. Uh, so... Uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. Uh, this podcast and a bunch of others are on abnormalmapping.com. Check that out. Listen to actual abnormal mapping, which is about video games. Listen to the Great Gundam Project, which is about Gundam. Uh, when this goes up, we will be like in two days. We'll be done with the Victory Gundam, and next week we will be starting G Gundam. So look forward to that. I was going to ask you. There's no like uh, OVAs or movies between Victory and G Gundam. We're just rolling straight into nope, it. Just rolling straight into G Gundam. Okay. I I think there was a week break in Japan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Gundam never. No, I, I actually haven't done that research, but Gundam never stops. Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much Gundam. Yeah, there's a lot of it. Um, you could find me online at uh, Allison underscore coffee, A-L-I-S-O-N underscore coffee. Uh, in my pinned tweet, you can find links to exportodd.io, uh, which is the Patreon for my own podcasts and for my uh, fiance Nora's podcasts. Uh, we've got Export Audio. We've got Time to Go Titans, a Teen Titans podcast. Pretty soon, um, Nora and our friend... Briar, um, frequent guest on Victory Gundam, um, are going to be doing a horror movie podcast. Is like their their plan was to go up on off weeks from this podcast, but then we stretched it out every three weeks, so that's not going to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, lots of fun things happening over at Export Audio, so people should come check us out. All right. Uh, time to go Titans has been very good despite the fact you should sub- you subject me to TV tropes a thousand more percent than I've ever had TV tropes put into my life <laughs> at the very least in the most recent Titans I did um, censor a word that I didn't want to say that TV tropes forced me to say out loud um, yeah it wasn't no, that a slur been... or anything but it was like I don't I'm not saying this <laughs> yeah uh, Teen Titans is full of joys TV tropes full of miseries <laughs> Uh, I hate doing it. <laughs> uh, and I think that's it. So until next time. Um, sign offs. 
I. They're hard. They're really hard. I started to say, "Time to go, Titans." <laughs> I'm a tiny blue.